Hello and welcome back everyone to the Cyclist Magazine podcast. I am your host, Joe Robinson, and I am joined this week by a man who has found sufficient Wi-Fi to join me. It's James Spender. Mr. Spender, how are you? I'm very good, Joe, and actually you're wrong. I'm not just on Wi-Fi, I'm hardwired. Hardwired. A LAN cable, a local area network cable, connecting myself to my local area network, which is my own network. You've you've made yourself double sure, haven't you? This I week. have. It's a, it's a belt and braces approach for me. Belt and braces. I love that commitment to the podcast, James. Yeah. Uh, as your as your absence was missed last last episode when uh, you were unable to join us, but you're here this week and you're here for a really good episode. Uh, we have on later on the show uh, eight time England goalkeeper, former Manchester United, Birmingham, West Brom, and Watford footballer. Ben Foster on the show. And I know what you're thinking. Why have you got a footballer on a cycling podcast? Well, turns out he loves cycling more than me and James combined. That's right. That's that's very true. It is so true. Ben Foster is coming to the end of his footballing career. Quite a a famous footballer. And he has just launched a cycling YouTube channel. Um, He owns a copious amounts of Specialized S-Works and is completely and utterly sort of dialed in to uh, road cycling and the way of the bike. And we thought, what a great guest to have on. Talk to a professional athlete about a sport that he's sort of fallen in love with and about just, you know, he he was just such a great guest, James. He had such a great outlook on cycling um, and it was great to talk to him. Uh, And we'll get to that later, won't we, James? But for now, we're going to get to our usual things we like, things we don't like, that we didn't have last week. So, James, um, I'm going to throw it to you first up. I want to know something you like. You've had four weeks now to think of something you like. So you better have something good. <laughs> there be something good. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, we're coming, we're going back into winter, aren't we? Mm. Which is going to be a muddy and dark and cold time, which also makes it perfect for gravel biking. So... Gravel biking's back, or it's back for me. I've just got another gravel bike on test, which is a stayer. Um, what do they call it? They call it a Grodinger, which is an ultimate portmanteau because it's made of three different words. You've got the G for gravel, you've got the road for road, and you've got the Inger just because it sounds like a humdinger. And it is a bit of a humdinger of a bike. Mm-hmm. It's made in East London. It's steel. It's really the sort of thing that you can just thrash around. And I've just been out on it. I've just washed the mud off machines. I've been out in Epping Forest. And it is very, very muddy there. And I've just been loving the fact that this bike is, you know, it's one and a half evolutionary steps away from a mountain bike. It's got drop bars, but it's got 650B wheels. So, you know, basically 26-inch mountain bike wheels, as we used to have when we were kids, with 47 mil tires. So it is a real tractor of a bike. But it is also quite fast and it's just super, super fun. So, yeah, I've been absolutely yeah, hammering that around, loving that. But, James, um, if you can't see the Steyr Grodinger, does it exist? If it falls over in the woods and I'm not around to hear it, then no, it no. does not exist. And I nearly fell off in the woods a couple of times, actually. Right. There's yeah. one point where I did think I might lose my jaw because there was a massive fallen tree stump and I slid round a corner, literally, not not 
style style points just slid because I had lost control of the bike mm. um, and just got a foot out in time before my head smashed sideways onto said tree stump. So yeah, um, I may have fallen in the woods and made a big sound and you might not be talking to me for another episode in a row. But that didn't happen. So Good. happy days. And I was wearing a helmet, so probably would have been okay. You would have been okay. And something you don't like? Something I don't like, as much as I just said it's fun bopping around in the mud, mud is kind of annoying when you get back and you don't have a jet wash because you don't have a garden because you do live in a high-rise flat in London and it is just a bit of a faff. However, reinsert something I do like and it is something I kind of thought was so pointless I almost binned it immediately. Sorry, Muckoff, because it's a Muckoff product. It's called the Muckoff Bike Mat. It's basically a rollout polyurethane style mat you stick it under your bike so you don't get crap all over your carpet and it's only 10.99 yeah okay 11 quid i was doing the same thing with a couple of plastic bags but it is mega convenient and i've just started using it again so yeah you know you can you can get around the mud and eventually it just kind of falls off onto the floor and you can tread it in i similarly have the decathlon uh, neamba uh, yoga mat underneath Ooh. my bike uh, oh, not to, doing yoga on it, though. Not doing yoga on it. It's just there to simply stop mud from my bike falling onto my new Cumbrian oak flooring. Cumbrian oak is that was that um, engineered hardwood or did you go full on LVT? Oh, nice LVT waterproof LVT. Um, oh, I'm not made. I'm not made of money, James. No, and also you don't want to lose that amount of height off your um, ceiling, do you? Exactly. You laying hardwood floors. That's that's a couple of inches there. Um, yeah. So tell me, tell me, Joe. Go on. What do you like? So I'll tell you what I think I do like, James. I'll tell you something I like. Um, I'm always, I have been a big fan of the Cask Allegro helmet for quite a while. So it was launched a few years back. It's Cask's lightweight, highly vented lid that Ineos Grenadiers use in the mountain. Um, long story short, I have quite a peculiar, peculiar shaped head. It's very large. Uh, it Cask, is. Cask is one of the very few brands that do fit me, and they fit me well. Um, I've used the Allegro for some time and it's very, very nice. I, I'm a big fan of it. Um, but there was one issue I always found was that there was not sufficient padding on the forehead of the helmet. And therefore, I would always be left with two big marks on my forehead after a day's ride where it was just two very thin pieces of padding. But fear not, because I believe cask reading my review of said helmet from a year and a half ago i've taken this on board and re-released the cask with some updates which includes a removable sort of padding on the front of the helmet which now means you've got that extra padding and i no longer get the marks on my forehead um wow so it was literally the only fault i had with this helmet they've addressed which is wow. really lovely to see um really All's, all's well that ends well, and interesting for an Italian brand making something that fits the bigger person. Normally, their shoes are tiny, their socks are even smaller, and their helmets. Their helmets, um, their helmets fitting a head that has found out before it could house five and a half thousand skittles. So, and I'm in the top, I think, top three percent of heads shapes in the world. So, really, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, dear listener, I, I haven't got a, a scary head, scary no, large head. It's, it, it's it's fine. It's just quite round, and 
helmets have always been an issue for me. So I'm always happy when Cask releases a good helmet because they do cater for us with the larger, larger noggin. Excellent. I'm, I'm very pleased to hear this. Um, so, uh, I mean, that almost covers things that you don't like, which is helmets that don't fit you with poor padding. But go on, give us another one. What, so, what don't you like, mate? So, weekend just gone. We're recording this on Monday morning, listener. Uh, Tour of Flanders was yesterday. What a fantastic race from Julian Alaphilippe crashing into the back of a motorbike, the Van der Poel versus Van Aert sprint finish, all the history and all the sort of sort of build up towards that two them two rivalries. Um, I was so happy. I was so looking forward to the race. Got in like yesterday. Put on Eurosport. Was sort of really enjoying the coverage of the Tour of Flanders with our former guest, Cotton Kirby, and Sean Kelly on commentary. Sean Kelly actually sounded as if he'd taken some sort of drug. He was so enthusiastic to a point I've never heard before. Um, But then with 20 kilometres to go, suddenly Eurosport switched to the Giro d'Italia. And they switched to the Giro d'Italia with 40 kilometres left to race as they're going up the penultimate climb and nothing's happening. And for 15, 10, sort of 10 minutes, I'm having to watch the Giro while I'm just sort of frantically trying to figure out what's happening at the, at the at Flanders. Then the coverage switches back and we've missed Van der Poel and Van Aert climb the Quermont, which is the penultimate climb. I couldn't believe it. Um, the absolute F. I have a lot of time for Eurosport. I'm big fans of Eurosport. I love biathlon. I love super bikes and I love cycling. So I watch it a lot. But that wasn't something I found very cool. I understand that they had live coverage of both and they probably had to share in equal proportions, but you're getting to the sharp end of the last big classic of the year and you're not giving me the live coverage. And I know what people say, well, just get the app or get the GCN race pass. No, I pay a lot of money for digital television, which includes Eurosport, which should include live coverage of races that they have the rights for. I don't want to pay extra for GCN race pass, not because they're a competitor of ours and I'm begrudging their success. Maybe that, but (laughs) because, you know, I don't want to have to pay even more onto the amount of digital money I'm paying for a digital subscription for my television. Um, But that's a little, that's only, you know, that's off my chest nowadays. Yeah. Um, And also I would point out, um, and keen listeners will be thinking the same thing, that you have got some slightly under the counter deal with your TV from, you know, he knows a man that knows a man does this man at Sky. And yeah, 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 yeah. But they're so not called Murdoch. You, yeah. So, you, you know, you, you, there you are complaining about how expensive it is, but think about the rest of us. Exactly. So I feel even worse for those who are paying a lot of money for their digital television package and then being asked to pay extra so that they can get long, more than an hour's worth of coverage of what is arguably the biggest race of the year. Um, do you know what my favourite part of the Tour of Flanders was? Go on. None of it. Because didn't, didn't, I didn't watch, didn't watch any. Not surprised. Well, I was watching Lawrence of Arabia, which is really long. <laughs> which is isn't that actually longer than the Tour of Flanders? It's, long, it's longer than uh, all five monuments put together. It's three hours forty-seven minutes, and it <laughs> does actually have four minutes of black screen just with the orchestra playing the main theme tune at the beginning and it's got an actual inter- intermission inserted in the middle again with more music so you can you can lose about nine nine to twelve minutes if you just fast forward through the black but it's a phenomenal film 
you can really see where George Lucas got the inspiration for Star Wars. It's effectively, effectively Star Wars is a remake of Lawrence of Arabia. Right. So I'd, I'd suggest you watch that next time. Instead of throwing your toys out of the pram with this whole Eurosport business, just watch a good film. Oh, you know what? Noted, James. Um, yeah. Good, good. But on that, on that sort of bombshell, uh, let's lead into today's interview. As we mentioned at the top of the show, it is with Watford Football Club's current captain, professional uh, football player, Ben Foster. And can I just add to that, the probably the only football player in the UK who has oversized jockey wheels by ceramic speed on his bikes. As you'll find even, out. I don't even have those. That's <laughs> a man that loves cycling. Let's go. Despite what some may say, Aero isn't dead. That's right. Canyon has just produced its fastest ever road bike, the new Canyon Aero CFR. To celebrate this incredible new bike, Canyon is offering all Cyclist Magazine podcast listeners a free bike guard worth $18.99 with the purchase of any road bike or e-gravel bike. All you need to do is use the code CYCLIST2020, that's CYCLIST2020, at the checkout. Full terms and conditions are below in the episode description. The offer is valid until midnight on the 31st of October. So, Ben Foster, thanks for coming on the Cyclist Magazine podcast. You are an eight-time captain and goalkeeper. You've played top-flight football for Man United, Birmingham City, West Brom and Watford. You've been a, a main face for, what, top-flight football for over a decade, but... We want to talk to you today on the Cyclist Magazine podcast because of your true life's passion, which is road cycling. You are a bona fide lycra clad, raffa wearing, specialised riding roadie, right? I'm loving the research, mate. You've done your yeah. work here. I'm all over that. <laughs> um, <laughs> very good. Very, very good. Um, I didn't even know all of them stats. Well done. That's um, all right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely love my cycling. It's um, as I've gotten older, particularly, it's um, it's really become a, a big old thing for me. You know, it's I'm sure it's it's what's sort of kept me going as long as I have, and not only kept me going as long as I have, but you know, really fit as well. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I, I'm I'm somebody who loves to eat a lot of food. Don't mind the odd pint of beer here and there, and um, cycling is a perfect way for me to um, burn the calories, de-stress, free my mind of all the kind of crap that goes with football, um, mm. and get out with my mates and have a have a good laugh and a good time. So, how does so you've been a Premier League? Well, you've been a professional footballer. You started at Stoke in what two thousand one, so almost twenty years. How do you go from playing a sport that's you know training? five days a week and then you play on Saturdays. How do you get into the sport of cycling? How did you get into road cycling? Okay, yeah. So I've always actually had quite a lot of uh, knee problems throughout my career. I've done my cruciate ligament in my knee three times, right. um, twice in my right and one in my left. I've also had lots of all sorts of different little niggles. I've broken feet, I've broken wrists, all that kind of stuff. Um, so for me, running, running's never really been an option. You know, I'm a heavy guy anyway. I'm six foot four, I'm 93 kilo. So running, it's a no-no, you know. It just causes problems. It causes my knee to flare up and swell. Cycling has always been the best thing for me. You know, I'm, I'm one of those kind of, you know, cyclists, they're, they're kind of sadistic people anyway. They love sort of really pushing themselves. They love that burn and just sort of, it's all in your head, that kind of thing. And I really embrace that and really love that. And yeah, for me, cycling for the last 
probably 10 years now has, has been a great way to keep fit, but not only just keep fit, keep my knee so strong as well. Mm. You know, all the little tiny little muscles around my knee that you, you've got to keep strong when you've had problems like I have. That, cycling does that for me. And it's um, like I say, I definitely attribute that for, for why I've been able to get, keep going as long as I have. So did you, when you, you said you've been riding for like 10 years now, when you first got into cycling, was it just, did you fully embrace it? Because you go onto your Instagram, for instance, now, Ben, and you're riding on the new specialised Tarmac SL7. You're absolutely loving it. You're on, you've got SRAM ready, tap. You are fully involved. But was that the case when you first got into it? Definitely wasn't the case when I first got into it. It was, it was basically... Um, like I, I, I've almost certainly got kind of OCD of if I, if I want to do something or I'm into it, I am sort of head first. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm that kind of guy that will dive in head first and I'll have to have all the gear. I'll be reading about it all the time, learning about it. Um, and that's sort of what cycling did to me. It just sort of sucked me in really. Like at first, I, I remember getting my first bike from the Specialized Concept Store at Fort Dunlop in Birmingham. It was a, a Specialized Roubaix. Mm-hmm. Um and that was it. I just never looked back from there. I realized that you could sort of upgrade parts as you go. You know, everything sort of seemed to fit. It was, you know, it was a universal fit of parts. And so you could just sort of add what you want and build your sort of dream bike. And that that really appealed to me as well. And I never looked back, mate. I never looked back. I absolutely love sort of even now reading like the latest gadgets, the latest releases, the latest news, all that kind of stuff. It's um, There's always something new going on. So what are your, I mean, you're in a unique position in that you're, you're a professional footballer, which is a lot of people's dreams, but obviously, and that's a very, a quite well-paid job considering, but it means that you can have access to some of the, the great cycling gadgets and gizmos. What are you, so what are you riding at the moment and what are you enjoying? Because I've seen, a, you look at your Instagram and you've had a, a good range of bikes throughout the, uh, the years, it looks like. Yeah, I have had a, a good few um, different frames, to be fair. And luckily, I've actually managed to not sell them and just sort of keep them in boxes. And mm. we're, we're actually building a new house, so it'll be ready in probably about a year's time or something like that. We've got to knock it down and rebuild. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to have sort of a bike room. You know, I'll have the old frames. I've got some really pretty frames. You know, I've got um, the Alberto Contador S-Works, you know, shiny um, chrome frame. I've got the, the Villier um centra 10 uh air the sort of that burnt orangey kind of color oh it's beautiful um yeah i've got some really pretty frames that i'm going to be sort of hanging on the walls i might do something funky with them turn them into lights or something like that have a light bulb sticking out the uh the the top of it or something um but yeah like you say i I have i've been very lucky i can get some really nice bikes like you said earlier i've got the the new tarmac sl7 which um is a thing of absolute beauty first and foremost the paintwork on it is incredible Mm. but um just the ride and the feel of it i don't think i'm somebody who's kind of good enough to understand um what what a new sort of incredible bike feels like but all i know is that when i'm on this thing it just feels fast it feels faster than the old tarmac it's comfy it's rigid it's everything i want you know it's it's, it's Mm. an absolute treat to treat to ride so how much are you how much do you ride? So like as a footballer, you have a quite an intensive schedule. Like when you're in the Premier League Championship now, you could be playing twice a week, especially with what coronavirus has done to the league. How much are you actually getting out on the bike? And how much uh like you're at Watford, for instance, now, how happy are they for you to go out riding? because I, I can't see your old boss Nigel Pearson being too too keen with you spending too many hours out in the lanes. 
Um, I don't know if I can answer this question without getting into trouble, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think if they knew the full extent of what I actually do do on the bike, then um, I'll be getting a curly finger into the manager's office, to be perfectly honest with you. So um, let's just say I do, I definitely do more than I should. Um, and I have to keep it quiet. And it, there's plenty of times where I, um, I can't put it on Strava, but you know, like the saying goes, <laughs> if it's not on Strava, it never happens. So um, that's how I look at it anyway. So, but you're 37 now, so I guess it's it. It must be elongating your career. The amount you're doing on the bike. You you said you feel fit. You you it's helped your knee. You must be like actually, I should be cycling because it makes me a better footballer. I guess. I do say that to him. To be perfectly honest, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I've never, I've honestly never felt as strong and fit, and I very rarely get any sort of flare-ups with my knees anymore because they are so strong and well looked after. Um, it's not, I, think, I just think the cycling just keeps all the joints kind of moving mm. and lubricating and flushing and so nothing ever gets to sort of congeal and that it's, it, it does it keeps it all going so, and for me as well the, a massive part of cycling is just getting out there onto the open road and just sort of it just gets rid of all that stress all the crap of your day all that kind of stuff and Anybody will, will, will say that when you get back from a bike ride, you feel incredible, don't you? You know that yeah. you've gone out there, you've gave it some, and you feel good to go for the rest of the day. It always puts a smile on my face. So speaking of the getting out there, a concept of riding, I wrote, you uh, did an interview in The Guardian recently in which you said you want two more seasons in football and then you're going to go head first into riding. And we're talking going to the Alps, the Dolomites, and you even mentioned riding stuff like Dirty Kanza, which is... Even insane from what I'm like, I consider, and I, you know, I did it as a job, and even there, I'm like, wow, that's pretty, pretty big time, Ben. So, what's that? What's on the bucket list? I know that you've already done stuff like Mallorca. I've seen pictures of you at sort of Sacalobra and Formentor, but what's on that bucket list when you retire? Well, yeah, so this is right, but well, at the minute, I'm kind of in the process of starting up a YouTube channel mm. as well because. Like I say, I've got two more years left at football. I want to retire after these two years are done. And then, I, like you say, there's so many things on the bucket list that I want to go and do. And because I'm doing them anyway, and I like to go with my mates, I like to have a laugh. I don't take it too seriously. You know, I like to, like say, if we're in New York or something like that, we'll do sort of 60, 70 mile days. Nothing major, nothing crazy. It's not like like sort of chewing the handlebars speed or anything like that. It's a nice sort of chill one. We'll always, you know, stop off for a bit of food. And then at night we're all having a few beers, having a few burgers, all that kind of stuff. I think that's the, that's the beauty of, of these cycling holidays. We like to say, none of us really take it too seriously. Don't get me wrong with fit and we know how to sort of do it properly. Um, but the, the, it's, it's just a good laugh in general. Um, so yeah, lo- loads of these bucket list clients, like you say about the, you know, Montbon too, all that kind of stuff, dirty cans are this, there's a stupidly long one of the race across America, that kind of thing, the sort of width of it, even stuff like that. It, it's going to take you weeks to do, but um, I'm luckily enough that I'll be in a position where I'll be able to get a bit of a crew to come with us. You know, you'll have a camper van riding behind you, all that kind of stuff and really sort of enjoy it kind of thing. It's some, as, as the kids get older as well, I've got two kids, 11 and 12. I'd really like to sort of integrate them into it as mm. well because they love their cycling as well. And how much, so you, so you love to ride your bike and you're talking about all these bucket list things. Do you also watch the pro sport? Do you get time to, do you dial into like, have you been watching the tour for instance that finished over the weekend? Were you, were you all about that? Yeah, all the same. Like I say, though, I can't. Obviously, I, I'll probably do the same as what most people do. You just can't get the sort of recap at the end of the day and see how it's going, that kind of thing. Um, but no, this tour, this year's tour was, um, it, it was incredible. Like the, 
it, it, I honestly think this year's tour has probably opened everybody's eyes up again to sort of. I think I think it just got through with Ineos and Team Sky the last few years. It's just got so monotonous and so mm. sort of drilled and regimented, and everybody kind of knew what was going to happen. To be honest with you, and it kind of it kind of kills the joy of it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so for these two guys to come through, Primo obviously is an absolute tank, but then um, uh, the the new guy Tado, wow, like. To do it, and the way he did it as well on the last day. Apparently, I read like he didn't, he didn't have no heart rate on, he didn't have no power meter on. No, he didn't. It was yeah. just kind. Of, it was just pure sort of hurtometer, and that's like for a twenty-one-year-old is is a joke. It's, it's it's incredible. How much do you appreciate pro? Like you're a pro athlete, but you do a completely different thing to what a cyclist does, and that concept of like pain and just endurance. How how do you view that as a footballer? Because that's so different to like. A, a skill-based sport which football is you know you have to be fit you're incredibly fit guys but that's just like a different stratosphere I guess when you look at it it's a they're different worlds they are honestly different worlds and I'd probably say that both worlds will appreciate the others in in a different way do you know what I mean mm. cycling is so it's to be honest with you I, I, I wouldn't I don't think I'd enjoy being a pro cyclist and I, I would say probably most pros wouldn't say they enjoy being a pro cyclist because it's got to be so demanding do you know what I mean there's so many sacrifices you have to make you must be away from home so much and you're always training you're always being tired and it would take its toll massively um so I think the the beauty of what I do is kind of that you can dip into it and out of it as much as you want. I think it's the best of both worlds, as it is for most people, to be honest with you. But yeah, like you say, the, the fact that football is a skill-based game, um, it's obviously a lot different. You, you, you're out in the training pitch, you're getting kicked, you're getting bumped, you're getting cutting on the grass, twisting and turning. Everything's, for me, I know I'm 37 years old, everything just seems to ache and hurt. Um, I have days where I wake up and I think, why is that aching? I haven't done anything that, that should be aching, but it does. It's just the way it goes. And um, if you, obviously you've played football for like 20 years now. Are there any footballers that you'd be like, they've got the mentality to be a pro cyclist? Is there any sort of sadists that you've been in the locker room with that you'd be like, yeah, they're the sort of person who'd enjoy riding up mountains for three weeks in lots of pain? Yeah, without doubt. They just need to sort of... Um, they just need to shift over to the cycling world. And if their chosen sport was cycling, you see some people, it's, it's all the mentality for me. Like if, if you've got the right mentality, you that's the difference between being the best and being nowhere near it. It's all in your head, to be honest with you. But you see so many footballers that are so professional. I mean, they, they're sort of weighing their food. They're in the gym first thing in the morning. They're in the gym straight after training. They, they know and take ownership of every single aspect and facet of their life and of their professional life. Um, that If they were a cyclist, you could see that they would do a serious job. But for me, cycling, you know, to be one of these elite level pro cyclist you, you you kind of you're one in a million you have to have the genes you have to have the dna it has to be in your body to start with you know you i think there's a certain level of sort of nature and nurture with cycling you have mm. to be born with it as well and then hope that you've got the dedication determination and the mental ability to be able to to see it all through as well so you you sort of spoke about some of the footballers having this dedication or are there any other like over lockdown i saw mo salah got given a, a vetus <laughs> Absolutely love it. Did you, see, the, did you see the shifters? Yeah, did yeah. Did you see the shifters though? <laughs> Went oh into the sky. God. Yeah. Painful. And uh, a couple of other like like footballers are banging into their riding. I'm, one of my favourite photos ever is of um, Ronaldo, like O Phenomeno, original Ronaldo, posing yeah. with Mario Cipollini. And I, I love that photo. It was my background on my phone for ages. But Decent. are there any other footballers that are banging to road cycling like you are? 
Have you got any? Have you got a little bit of a crew going at all? You know, lockdown. Um, it kind of bred a couple of cyclists, for, especially from Watford. Anyway, um, mm. Adrian Mariapa, um, he got banging to Zwift like you would not believe. Like he got hooked on the on the crit races, um, which then manifested it himself in in him going out and buying. He bought himself a Canyon Aero, beautiful bike as well, real nice. Um, Craig Kafka, exactly the same. Got hooked on Zwift. Um, ended up going out buying a, a Trek Emonda. Um, yeah, like, re- and really sort of stayed with it as well. Like, Max mm. is always out on his bike. Mariapa is always out on his bike. We've been out on a few rides as well. Craig Kafka, he went. He, he actually bought himself a new um, Ribble e-bike the other week as well. Ordered it online, sort of chose every single part, painted it himself. He's put the best bits of everything on it. He's even put, like, a ceramic speed oversized pulley wheels on it in the back and all that kind of stuff so they've gotten bang into it honestly and like that like I say even now like we'll have days where training hasn't been too sort of strenuous for them because they've got to run around don't forget mm. um so I could imagine if I had to run around like them I'm not looking to try and go out on my bike but they still find time to go out on their bike at night and do sort of 30 40k or something like that which is um no fair dues you mentioned lockdown though so I guess that was a weird opportunity in your career in that you weren't playing football and you couldn't train as a team because team sports were cancelled. So you got, you basically got carte blanche to just go ride as much as you want. That must have been good. I had the time of my life, mate. I had. <laughs> it was, honestly, it was class. I absolutely loved it because, like you say, I could ride my bike whenever I want, but... I kind of got, I, I kind of gauged early doors that we were going to be off for a long time. So mm. I was like, right, I'm going to sort of try and make myself my own training plan. And I stuck to it really well. I started doing lots of leg weights and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my fitness levels, my ability on the bike went sky high from what it normally was from my usual limits. It kind of, it really took off. And I was doing numbers on, on the what bike that I'd never ever dreamed I'd have been able to do. So this is what I want to ask, right? So I interviewed, uh, you know, Martin Johnson, the former England rugby yeah. player. And I was like, I need to know your numbers. And he's like, I've never ridden to numbers. And I was like, no way. hundred percent. You've, you've like tried to do max power. So Ben, uh, ben what is your, do you know your FTP? So yeah, my FTP, um, well, you know what? My, I always say my, a good gauge of FTP is do a crit race on Zwift, right? Because right. you get the ones that are about, what, 15K long, right? And they take about 21 minutes to do yet. Yeah? I'll go in Group B or C or whatever. They're about 20, 20 minutes long, 21 minutes long. Um, the most I've ever held for 21 minutes, it was 356 watts for 21 minutes. Right, um, okay. So what's that, 335, 32 yeah, yeah, that's, FTP or something? Yeah, that's decent. That's de- that With, would compete with a lot of the guys in my office and in, in our team, in our cyclist magazine team, I'll tell you that. So yeah, obviously you've got to bear in mind I'm 92 kilo, 93 yeah, kilo. Yeah. Um, I've got big broad shoulders, so it is like a parachute when you're out on the bike. But um, no, I've got... I've, I managed to sort of really ramp it up as well. And I was working on endurance. So I, was, I had a couple of days where I would do, um, I don't know, like 45 minute rides at like 315 average watts and stuff like that. So it, I really sort of ramped it up. And I never yeah. thought I'd be able to do that as well. For me, football does actually take quite a lot out of your legs. If I do a goalie session, because goalkeeping is all about being explosive. Like, so yeah, yeah, up and down. Just using those fast twitch fibers all the time, pushing, bounding, and mm. you get home and you just like, whoa, my legs are frazzled here. And like, and you'll go to get on the bike sometimes. You just think, wow, there's nothing left in them. There's no point really. And um, so, have you ever done a max power? Oh, do you know? Yes. Have you, what's the highest power you've hit? What? 
I actually did one last week. Um, I got an 1869, which was a new PB as well. Wow. So I was buzzing with that. We had Troy Deeney's got just over 2,000 before at really? the training ground. Yeah, that's that's big 2, time. I know some rugby players that have hit like 2-2, two, 2-3. Two, two, so that's big from Troy. Massive, mate. Massive. Well, like I was saying about the YouTube thing, one of the videos I'm doing is going to be a, it's like a footballery kind of max power test kind of thing. I'll be showing a few people um, from the club, like their max power efforts. I'll be showing you them doing it. I'll show them what the results are, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously as that evolves, I'll kind of start incorporating different sports and different personalities. See, and, you and should get, so there's some of the, some of the pro peloton, I love their football. So, uh, you know, Teo Gagan Hart from Ineos. Yeah. Well, huge I'm Arsenal texting, fan. Yeah, I'm texting him quite a bit anyway, mate, to yeah. be honest with you, like, like he, um, he's always on Twitter. He loves it. He absolutely yeah. loves his football. So he's always replying to stuff and um, on Instagram, the videos, all that kind of stuff. He's a good lad, to be fair. Really good lad. That's the great thing about football and cycling is that uh, the countries in which it's really popular in, they love both. So Italy, Spain, France. So it's, it's, it's quality. It's quality. Well, that's the beauty. That's why, like I say, that's why I want to do stuff after football. I know, I, I, like, from a football background, I know, like I say, a lot of cyclists do like football. So I'll be able to do a lot. There's a lot of, like, integration there, isn't there? Stuff I can do, video ideas, all that kind of stuff. I've got, I've got tons of stuff written down in a book that I want to do. So this is perfect opportunity. So explain this new YouTube channel that you're, you're launching. Is it? It's called, so it's going to be called uh, Cycling G, GK. Yeah, so Cycling GK, um, it's obviously, we're, we're going to have, it's, it's a very light-hearted channel, don't run, there's nothing too serious. I'll tell you that, I went to, uh, I went to like a performance centre yesterday and did a full performance thing, I did a VO2 max test, all this yeah. kind of stuff, killed myself. Um, <laughs> but it's like I say, it's still very, very light-hearted, so there'll be, there'll be football videos on it where I'm having a laugh with some of the lads doing this and that and bits and bobs, and then there'll be a lot, but there will be a lot out on the bike as well, doing silly things out on the bike, but like I say, it's not so sort of, you know, I'm not trying to be a pro cyclist, you know, I want to have a laugh with it, yeah, sort of yeah. and I think that that's what people want to see, they want to, they realise that I'm not good enough or anywhere near going to be good enough to be a cyclist, so um, just have a laugh with it at least. Yeah, well, for one, I'd recommend that you should go do for the, uh, for the channel and just for for it hurts but it's a laugh is Paris Roubaix should go ride oh, that yes. mate that's insane that's a that's a you know that will introduce you to road cycling nice and proper 50 kilometers of cobbles four off yeah you're, I mean as a goalkeeper you need your hands so definitely wait till retirement but you won't you won't oh, be able to use your hands yeah, blisters and I can feel my gooch screaming already <laughs> well Ben uh, thank you so much for spending some time I, I should mention because obviously this is a podcast Ben's sitting in his car in a service station waiting for it to charge. So you've got an electric car, haven't you? So Yeah, I'm in my I'm in my Tesla right now. Anybody at Oxford Services, um, you'll see me here pretty much every day, to be honest. Waiting for it to charge. So you, your life is either waiting for your bike for the ETAP to charge or your Tesla to charge, I guess, right? <laughs> nah, come on, Shram, they last forever, mate. You get like, how many do you get? 1,500 miles, 1,500 kilometers well, or something? Yeah, you, like get, older, you get better range than the Tesla, I guess, yeah. You're not wrong, mate. Yeah, one once up and down, I have to charge it again. That's all it is. Three hundred miles max out of this thing. Yeah, mental. All right, uh, Ben, I'll let you go because you got you know you've got your season ahead of you. You got to get home and stuff. Uh, you got training. Uh, but thanks for coming on again. Uh, Cycling GK. When's that going to launch? Do you know a date? Hopefully later this week. Maybe Thursday, Friday this week. Nice one. Uh, and we'll keep it. We'll we'll drop a link to that in the uh, in the podcast information, etc. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck for the rest of your season. And maybe see you out at one of these sportees one one year. Eh?
That's what I mean. I, I, I can't wait. This is what I'm waiting for. Football just keeps getting in the way every single time. <laughs> Love it. Nice one. Cheers. Uh, cheers, Top, ben. man. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Tight. So uh, that was our interview with Ben Foster, a lovely man. A very lovely man as well. And one I almost forgot about, he was a great hope. I'm a United fan, Manchester United, even though I have never, haven't even ever been to Manchester. There we go. Terrible, isn't it? But United fan, he was a great, great hope for us uh, taking over uh, as number one goalkeeper. Didn't ever quite happen for him, which is unfortunate. He's a, dec- he's a decent stopper and could be by the sounds of it. A pretty impressive cyclist. I mean, that is quite amazing. Some of his power numbers there are pretty mind-boggling. He loved cycling. Like, genuinely, I got that vibe from him even when we'd stopped the, the interview. Uh, it's worth noting that the interview was done in a Tesla. In a road. He, he, he got on board. He sort of pulled up in his electric Tesla to charge it at a service station just outside Birmingham and to, to record with us. And even before and after, he was just he was asking me questions about cycling, about bikes, which which bikes I think he should own. Um, as he says, he retires in a year and a half, and he was grilling me as to where he should go ride his bike, where which outs he should be taking on. And I thought it was amazing that this man had such enthusiasm for the sport, despite being paid to to do and be a front of the biggest sport in the country, and which has been the biggest sport in the country forever. You know, football is so much bigger than cycling. So it's nice for someone from that world to actually be like, you know what, I love riding bikes. Yeah, and it, is, it is quite, because most of the time we hear about this sort of stuff in retirement from not just not just with football players, but athletes in other sports, because cycling is one of those things, a bit like skiing, that, um, you know, go, go and sit in the gym on a Watt bike or do some spin classes, great. But please don't go and ride your bike in your spare time if you're a rugby player or a football player, because if you fall off, that could mean broken clavicles, broken elbows, whatever. It's a dangerous thing to be doing. So clubs wouldn't actively encourage it. So, uh, so yes, it's nice that he's a kind of active, he's an active sports person in another sport. And he's he's into cycling. So I'd just like to throw it out there. If if we could find maybe some darts players that like cycling, I'd like to talk to one of those. I've heard that Phil the Power Taylor may or may not own a Colnago two sixty four. And also he he does Google it, he actually started bespoke Bristol handmade bike show. No way. Yeah, he did. He did. Google Google Phil Taylor bespoke, it'll come up. Bespoke. Correct. It was the brainchild of Phil Taylor. Yes. Stroud-based frame builder, passionate cyclist, and 16-time darts world champion. Hey, <laughs> there we go. But uh, on the, I, 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 yeah, I, I wish I'd been in the interview just to talk to Ben about his jockey wheels because I would have thrown in this fantastic fact I heard the other day that, you know what the hardest working part of your bicycle is? The person pedalling it. Other than the person pedaling, that's a good answer. Other than the person pedaling it, it's your chain. Your chain articulates. So it basically, it bends, it's little linkies bend um, around about 30,000 times a minute. Wow. Who told you that? Because obviously there's loads of parts to a chain. There's like 120 odd links. Um, some chappy what works for uh, one of those speed lab kind of like testing for different lubricants for chains. Mm. So chain friction is a big thing. Lubrication, good chain lube is a big thing. And yeah, oversized jockey wheels. The reason they work or are purported to work is because the larger circumference of the wheel encourages less 
actual bending per link or articulation per link, which is less friction or less energy loss to friction. So there we go. Ben, if you're listening, you made a solid choice there. It may have cost you £600, but what's that to you? That's like, I don't know, you probably get fined that for being a minute late for training. Exactly. Um, And on that, I think we should bring an end to the episode. Uh, It's worth saying, listener, we, me and James are going to meet up at the end of this week and we're going to put our heads together and we're going to think of some really cool guests to get going forward in the podcast for 2021. So on that note, if there's anyone that you would really like to hear from in the cycling industry, you're like, what's that person up to? Let us know and we'll do all we can to make it happen, won't we, James? And, we will. And, you know, we've got strings that we can pull, I guess. Um, yeah. But we'll we do that. We've got some great great guests lined up uh we've got the youngest finisher of Liège Baston Liège in 120 110 years uh Ben Tullett lined up he's going to be a guest soon we've got a few other good guys and gals that we're sort of lining up um but in the meantime uh subscribe rate us let us know what you think of the podcast on Apple etc the more reviews we get the more people listen to us and the more things we can do, more cool stuff we can do. So do do that, A eh, James? Um, do do that. Do do that, eh? Do do that. And, and you know, Greg Wallace, just get in touch, man. And I think that's it, James. Um, I will see you on Friday in, in the flesh for the first time you in will. a very long time. You will. And can we just point out, it will, it will be in a tier one area. Repeat, tier one. Tier one. Mm. It is okay to meet up outside in a tier one area. So that's what we'll be doing. Excellent. And then, yeah, so see you later, James. See you again, listener. Cool. Toodaloo, mate. Bye.